need a good old fashioned copy of God's word today because it will not be on the screen for you. But we are excited in this moment. I want to preach the message to you that I'm calling divisive sins. Why don't you lift up your voice and say divisive? That was exceptional today. Appreciate that. Are you aware that even you, this is going to surprise some of you. Some of you didn't come to church today thinking that this was you, but you need to know that even you can be divisive in your life. Did you know that? Most of you did. Some of you are like, I'm not ready to go there, yo. Divisive sins. What are divisive sins? There are things that you and I do every single day of the week that cause division in our relationships, aren't there? I think you could boil it all the way back to one word called selfishness, right? We have a sin nature. That scripture says so easily, the old version says so easily besets us, right? Modern translations would say so easily entangle us. And we understand what that looks like, right? Have you ever done a three-legged race with somebody like back in the day when you were like, what do they call that field day? I used to love field day, right? Like it's, it's like we're even like for us introverts, you like, you can just like explode, right? Like. Just like this place. And I'll never forget, like, we would do that three-legged race, right? Where they would take your leg, and then they would take a partner to you, and they would strap your legs together, and you had to figure out how to go, like, left, right, but it's your left. Ah!" And then you'd fall, and it was terrible. And, like, but every now and then you'd figure it out, and you would start to walk in tandem. You'd be going, and you'd win. It was awesome. We understand what that writes, because what happens when you're not walking together in unity? Come on, somebody tell me you're going to what? You're going to fall. You're going to trip. You're going to get tangled up and you're going down. Right. If Jesus final prayer for his people in John 17 was that we would be one. Why are we so bad at being one? Oh, you didn't answer that one. You answered all my other questions, right? Because it doesn't need an answer, right? We know why. Because we are human. And we carry this sin nature with us and we struggle through this life, don't we? And we create division. Even us create division within the kingdom of God. And the truth is that we all have those moments where we're divisive. And, and I think it's important for us to call it divisive, right? Because sometimes we can call it a bad day, right? Sometimes we can call it a bad mood or sometimes, come on, I, I know I'm preaching to somebody. We can call it being hangry. Anybody, where are my people at? Where are my people at? Don't let my blood sugar get low. All right. We need to be like that Snickers commercial at church, right? Don't let my blood sugar hit too low. <laughs> As we come to James chapter 3, we're coming on the heels of what Zach talked about last week. And he did a great job talking to us about the sin that's in us that we just need the Lord to get out of us. Right? Because 
Just like in verse 26, as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so our faith without works is dead. So so for us to truly represent Christ, be his ambassadors, like Paul told the Corinthian church. I got some stuff that I need to deal with. There's some divisive things in my life that need to be dealt with. And I think there probably are in yours. We're honest. Divisive sins. On Friday, I literally didn't have a ton of notes for this sermon. I'm like, it's getting kind of close. I think even uh, Scott and I were joking. He's like, you're not done. It's Friday. It's like, I know, man. Like, it's like, what do you do with this? It's like, like last week was your words are set on fire from hell. I'm like, whoa, when escalated quickly. Right. And then you come to this text and it's talking about our tongue and that if you can tame your tongue we're going to read it in a second you're a perfect person you are lit you have literally come to complete maturity in christ of course none of us are there and if you're wondering why you struggle so much is because there's this war in you there's this these passions as james is going to call them evil passions going to use some strong language at war in us but i was struggling because i'm perplexed have been perplexed and i think i've worked out why but chapter 3 verse 1 seems really out of place because we've been talking about faith without works is dead that if grace goes into your life if the thesis of the book of James, James 1.18, that God of his own will brought you forth by the word of truth that you might have life. Right? That is the gospel. If you do not know Jesus today, like I just want you to know that is what you need. You need, that the, you need the God of the universe through the power of his Son and the working of his Holy Spirit, the triune God, to go to work in your life. Because apart from him, John 15, 5, Jesus says you can do nothing. You will never experience the life you want to live. You will never find that abundant life you're looking for apart from Jesus. You just can't do it because he's the creator of life. And so doing it apart from him, you won't find it. That's the gospel and it's good news because God doesn't expect you to figure that out. He came to you. And on that first Easter, he rose to life so that you could have life. So if you have never surrendered, if you've never accepted God's call in your life to step into the family of God, he is ready to adopt you into his family today. The Bible says it's very simple. You confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. And so that is true. And if that happens in your life, if that kind of grace goes into your life, James is saying that kind of grace is going to make its way out of your life. Right? Because when grace goes in, it comes out. It's like you are a cup. And if you fill your cup with the grace and goodness of God and somebody bumps into you, what's going to spill on them? The goodness and grace of God. But if you're like me when I have a bad day and you've not filled yourself up with the goodness and grace of God, but with selfishness and vain ambition and pointless pursuits. Am I speaking to anybody today? 
When you bump into me, you get, hey, don't you cut me off. What do you think this is? This is my lane of the highway. This is my tax dollars at work, right? You get out of my way, right? And then you're like, oh, it's a church member. Hey, <laughs> good to see you, right? You know, because I'm a good fake, just like you are. Only me hanging up here. Right? Like, we laugh because we kind of get that. We kind of understand that, right? What was it? A few weeks, Mike was, like, driving by in his truck. And, like, I was off in a la-la land. And, like, he honked his horn at me. And I'm like, hey, Mike, Mike. Hey, buddy. <laughs> he, I probably pulled it off so good he didn't even know I was, like, who's honking at me? Right? Like, so net, honk at me, please. I need, I need more shepherding of the Holy Spirit in those moments. <laughs> Right? Because it's just like, uh, uh, uh. you're like, why is everybody so angry? Well, my pastor's angry. Uh, uh. Like, I don't stand any chance. All right. Jokes are done. Except they're not jokes, right? Like this is the world we find ourselves in. And so if grace is coming into our life, like we want to see grace come out of our life. We want to celebrate the goodness of God more than we talk about the things that we're doing and doing wrong and, and all the things, right? And so James comes to us here and he's going to connect our faith to our leadership and then to our life. And it's super important. And, and when you look at the beginning here, when you look at chapter 3, verse 1, I was perplexed by the role that that verse plays in the rest of it. Okay, let me show you what I mean. Look at James chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, if you have a phone, you can get on the YouVersion Bible app and follow along that way. Uh, but I'm reading out of the ESV today. And, and here's what verse 1 says. It says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Okay, now follow, follow the text here, right? Like we just came through these scriptures that are amazing back in verse two. It says, so faith by itself, if it doesn't have works is dead. Someone will say, you have faith. I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. And then he drops this bombshell in verse 19 of chapter two. You believe that God is one. Awesome. You should but that's not an indicator of your faith all the time, because why? Look at this. Even demons believe that. You're like, Ugh. even demons know who God is. Yikes. So down in verse 22, James says, you see, Abraham's faith was active along with his works. His faith was completed by his works. In other words, grace came in and it flowed right out. That's the natural progression for those of us who are following Jesus. Right? When I parent my children, there are some things that God calls them to do and then there's other things that I do and I try to make the difference, right? If it's if it's God, right? Like a rebellion thing, we, we talk about the Bible. If it's a coon thing, we say coons don't do that. I'm not going to put this one on the Lord. But coons are going to eat with a fork. Coons are going to eat with a napkin. Coons aren't going to leave a pile of food under their under their seat. Right? Like, show some manners. Right? Like, that's a coon thing. Like, if they never show manners again in their life, like, they can still go to heaven. 
right? So there's a difference, right? But, but we understand that. We say, like, coons don't do that. Like, coons do this. Coons don't do that, right? So for those of us who are in the family of God, God's kids do things, and God's kids don't do things. You picking up what I'm laying down, all right? So very straightforward here, okay? So, but then we, we get through that, and it says at the end, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. And then it feels like we take this like hard right, doesn't it? We take this like hard right. It says, not many of you should be teachers. <laughs> like, why? Like, what is, like, that might be true, James, but why, why here? We'll all be judged with greater strictness. Verse 2, for we all stumble in many ways. We all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, We guide their whole body as well. This little thing in the mouth of a giant animal can guide that giant animal. If we put, uh, look at the ships also, verse 4. They are so large and driven by strong winds. And yet they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Listen to this. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. We were in the Midwest in Utah, and there was a wildfire, and you could see the plumes from like hundreds of miles away. It was amazing. Started by a spark. Right? In the woods. Huge. And the tongue, verse 6, is that fire. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. It's getting intense and it gets more intense. Listen to this. And it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Wow. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Rhetorical question is, no. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. 
We're going to skip 13 to 18, drop down to verse 4, verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1. Okay, all of those things about the tongue, drop to chapter 4. What causes quarrels and causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is of no purpose that he says that the scripture says he, God, yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But lift up your voice and say, but there's always good news. That was a lot of bad news. There's always good news. But listen to this. But he gives more grace. Aren't you glad? Because I'm probably guilty of every other thing that was listed there. Probably last week. All of it. Maybe not murder. But Jesus said, if you hate somebody, you've murdered. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee you he will not he might not he could not he will think about it what does it say says he will flee you some of you came today to church and that's the only thing you needed to hear that you've been tormented and you need to know that if you will submit yourself to god resist the devil he'll flee from you that's a word for me I do a lot of studying of this book, but it's for you. And I need it for me. Amen? Yeah, we'll get to that in a second when we go back to verse 1 of chapter 3 and connect some dots. I love this verse 8. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. In other words, you, you can't be in the world and love the world and yet... Be a child of God. Like you, you have to choose. Now, the good news is, is that all the things that are in the world, God created. And so used rightly, all those good gifts from God are for our enjoyment. So this is not a blanket, a fun sucker of a sermon, right? Like, you're going to be bored for the rest of your life following Jesus. No, no, no. That's not, that's not what he's saying. God created everything. What does the scripture say? Not everything is beneficial, right? And so it's how we use the things that God gives us. And so he keeps going. So draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts. You double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. That's what sin should do in our life. I think some of us, we've just got comfortable with our sin. And we need to be reminded that it's disgusting, that it's vile before the Lord and ought to be for us. We live in a culture that is normalizing things that are vile. And we need to be reminded that vile is vile, good is good, God is good. 
And so we have to keep pushing into that. Verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. And now we bring it back. Verse 11, do not speak evil against one another. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge. Amen. He who is able. You want to know why you shouldn't spend any of your time judging other people and what they do wrong? Because you are not able to save their soul. Do you ever think about that? We spend so much time, oh, I can't believe they did that. Or like something's happening, we just watch it. There's only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. So what are, what are we getting after, right? Like on Friday, I was like, what does verse 1 have to do with all of that? I don't understand. <laughs> how, how, what, why the admonition, the careful warning that not many of us should aspire to be teachers? And then it hit me like a 20-foot wave off the coast of Hawaii on a boogie border, right? I was like... Oh my, because speaking on behalf of God is a really big deal. And there's a lot of people speaking on behalf of God today, isn't there? YouTube, social media, like there, there is a plethora of things that you could hear and mistake for the voice of God. There are things that I could say to you up here that you could mistake for the voice of God. Which is why there has to come back to what James tells us. There is this standard of truth called the word of truth. And it is Jesus who became flesh. The word walked among us. And then he sent us his word. So there we can know. Right. There are answers. They're not always popular. But we have answers. And we need to know what we believe. And it begins and ends in Jesus. And so the reason that there's this nugget about leadership dropped in there is because just like the Apostle Paul told his friends in Galatians chapter 5, that a little bit of yeast runs through the whole batch of dough. It just takes a little bit of bad thinking, a little bit of bad teaching. And it ruins the whole dough because if if at any point you are confused about who is at work in your life, right? It's what we sang. Great is his faithfulness. And that the the moment I get confused about that and start to think that I'm pretty good, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. We rejoice because of his work, because of his goodness. And that is good news, friends. Because what comes right after that is we all stumble in many ways. And so we need we need a true north, don't we? Like when I'm stumbling in all my ways, I need a true north. What is the true north? 
How do I know exactly what God wants me to do? You have to. If anything outside of God's word is your true north, you will struggle in this life. Like a lot. Because everything else is vying for your attention. Everything else is vying for your heart. Everything else is vying for your worship. And so when we say that Jesus has made peace with God possible, the the reason that so many of us, including myself, struggle to realize what does it mean to be anxious for nothing? Like what we just prayed about before I preached... What does it look like to be anxious for nothing? You have to have a completely different north. You have to have a completely different center. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Because if your eyes are fixed on anything else around you, things get out of order. Right? We don't treat people the way they should be treated. We don't love people the way they should be loved. We don't use our bodies the way that we ought to. And we could just go on and on and on. True north matters. And so there's these passions at war within us and they cause all kinds of relational problems. And teachers matter because we are looking to our teachers for true north. And so teaching has a greater strictness to it because anything that I say to you that doesn't line up with this book is wrong. And should be discarded. And so you ought to be in it for yourself. And so for those of us that God does tap on the shoulder to be those teachers. The first thing I want you to see from this text is that there is a great responsibility in what we teach. And I ought to be held to that. And by... By way of segue, if, it's, if, if there's great responsibility to what I teach, then there is also great responsibility to what you consume. Does that make sense? Yeah. That what you fill your mind and heart with is eventually going to come out. That is what's going to fill your cup. And when we bump into you, right, I think a lot of people think church discipline is just for those massive things like you cheated on your wife or something. And that is true, but church discipline in Scripture is oftentimes, you know, you have a brother or sister who's in sin and they they can't even see it. And James is going to tell us later in, in the book that anyone who restores a brother or sister back to their senses, basically their faith, man, they they cover a multitude of sins. Because what we're all trying to do is follow Jesus. Right. And, and we, we, we say that you need to be in a city group because you weren't designed to do life alone. And that's why, because you are very capable of getting off center. And so am I. So there's great responsibility of what we are teaching and what we are listening to. And so it would be a mistake to think that we don't need to pay really careful attention to what we're Teaching and learning because we are trying, attempting to listen to the voice of God and receive the implanted word. Pretty powerful. And so then he transitions out of 
the reason that it's so, okay, so your faith without works is dead. And then what you are taught really matters because you need to know what your faith is so that you can then put it into practice, right? So that you can embody your faith, so that you can live your faith, right? But you're not going to live your faith if what I get up here and talk about is not the truth of God. And I know you know that there's plenty of people standing on stages all across this country today talking about things that aren't the truth of God. And I don't think I need to list them because I think you know what they are. Yeah, because I can list them. But then I would probably not be talking about things that are good of God. The second thing I want you to see, though, is as a result of that, based on what you fill yourself with, number two, there is great potential to sin in what we say. Right? Like, why does James say, if you can tame your tongue, you have reached maturity. You are complete, perfect. Why can he say that? Because our tongues are powerful. It is so easy. And some, 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 of, the things, some of the things that come out of our mouth are, are out of natural circumstances. Right? Like if you have a physic, if you are physically suffering, it will be incredibly more difficult for you to speak the way God has called you to speak. Physical factors matter. If you are filling your mind and heart with things that are not of God, it's going to be incredibly difficult for you to speak as one who is full of grace and truth. So what do we do? Let me, let me end with this, right? Look back to chapter 3, 13 to 18, because this is what I think we're ultimately coming down to, right? Look, look, look at this with me. Who is wise and understanding among you? It's ultimately we need wisdom, don't we? We need wisdom to live in this life. Wisdom is taking knowledge and using it skillfully, using it in life. Who is wise and understanding among you? Now we're connecting back to leadership, right? Not many of you should aspire to be teachers. Why? Look, who's wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show you his good works and meekness of wisdom. Jesus went first, right? He stepped into this earth and he lived the life we couldn't live. And then he died and rose again. He's our ultimate leader, right? But, verse 14, if you have bitterness, jealousy, and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. That sounds a lot like our culture. But the wisdom from above is first, right? And, and, and here's... Here's what we're after. Here's why what you put into your mind and heart matter and what comes out of your mind and heart matter. Because this is your being an ambassador to the world. What are we trying to show? But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason. There's a fun one. 
full of mercy, full of good fruit, impartial and sincere. And then listen to verse 18. This is the invitation that James is making to you. With all of those other things around you, those evil, vile practices all around you, vying for your attention. Here's the invitation if you will receive the implanted word. Here it is. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What should you spend your time doing to evidence the work of God in your life? You know, because a lot of you walk in here like, what am I supposed to do then with the implanted word? What do I, what's the rubber meets the road? What do I do to show my faith, right? Why did James say pure and undefiled religion looks like this? To take care of orphans and widows in their distress. Why does he say that? Because there is a harvest of righteousness. Sown in peace by those who make peace. Great is his faithfulness. Therefore, if he'll be God and handle all the things that God handles, I can be little old me and handle the things that come my way within his realm of righteousness, brought to me in peace by the Prince of Peace, so that I can then go out and make, come on, talk to me, peace. How do I, how, how do, I do that? He told us, right? He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them everything I have commanded. And lo, I am with you always. What does it mean if he's with us always? We're at peace, right? It's all connected. And if we listen to the wrong voices, chapter 3, verse 1, we're in trouble. Make sense? Come on, stand with me. Let's pray. We're going to sing one more time. I hope you're encouraged today. I hope you're excited about what God's doing in your life and in your church. And uh, we have great days ahead. Our best days are ahead because Jesus is on the move. He's bringing his kingdom on earth just as it is in heaven. Amen. Come on, let's pray. God, thanks for your goodness. I pray that as we sing the praises of your name and as we walk out of this place as your church, as your representatives, that we would present you as the Prince of Peace. Help us to receive that implanted word. That Jesus, you would be on the move in our life. And that you would do what only you can do. We love you, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen.